Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts 18.24 So here's Apollos. He's in Alexandria by birth. He's around all this education. He was an eloquent man. He could speak of eloquent in speech, but also a man who's very bright. He came to Ephesus, and I want you to see this description of this second case study. He, Apollos, was mighty in the scriptures. If I asked you, if I asked a friend of yours, one of the closest people to you, how would you finish this sentence of your friend? He or she is mighty in the... How do you think they'd fill in the blank? She is mighty in... Crossword puzzles. He is mighty in the newspaper. There's only one way to become mighty in the Scriptures, and it is not by osmosis. If you do this, it will not seep into your head. You are actually going to have to read the Bible, to know the Bible. And this man, the word mighty is dunatos. In Greek, it's connected to the word dunamis, It's where we get the English words dynamic or dynamite. Have you ever just heard uh, a message from a man on fire and said, I'm going to date myself with an old TV show. That's dynamite. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you do. And if you do, you may have a little sprinkling of gray hair going on. It's an old TV show. Famous guy said that. Anyway, but that's what we want. We want when the Bible's open, we want a boom. We want the power of the scriptures to be unveiled. And Apollos was mighty in the scriptures. Listen to this. John Brodus, one of the founders of the Southern Baptist Seminary, author of the most influential book on preaching ever written in America, was lecturing his seminary class just nine days before he died. He paused, he looked at his class, and he said, Gentlemen, if this were the last time I should ever be permitted to address you, I would feel amply repaid for consuming the whole hour endeavoring to impress upon you these two things. Now, there's all these seminary students there. He said, one, true piety, live a godly life. And two, be like Apollos. Be men mighty in the scriptures. Brodus then paused, nine days before his death now. He stood for a moment with his piercing eyes fixed upon the class. Over and over, he repeated this phrase, slow but wonderfully impressive style that he had, distinctly his own. He looked at the class and said, mighty in the scriptures, mighty in the scriptures, mighty in the scriptures. I'm sure those seminary students never forget, forgot that sermon because their teacher went home to be with the Lord nine days later. Today, we have a desperate need for more men and women to be described as mighty in the scriptures. Would you agree? There's a famine in the land, have you noticed? The famine in the land is for men and women to be mighty in the scriptures, for pulpits once again to thunder the truth of the Bible, unashamedly 
Yes, with grace, yes, with compassion, but with passion. And that is another thing that you're going to notice about this particular man named Apollos. This man, 25, had been instructed in the way of the Lord. That could be a way the Old Testament describes of knowing God's ways. And I think he was an expert in the Old Testament. You can write down Genesis 18:19, where Abraham would keep the way of the Lord, and also Judges 2:22. Now, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he was, he was uh, very fervent, being fervent. This word fervent is zeo. It means to boil with heat. Picture boiling water. You've got the word. He was on fire. He was logic on fire. He was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being, only, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. So even though he was highly educated, mighty in the Bible, He only knew the baptism of John. What was John's baptism? It was preparatory. It was a baptism of repentance looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, but he didn't know everything about the new covenant. He didn't know everything about the cross. He didn't know everything about the resurrection. He didn't know everything about imputed righteousness. He didn't know everything about the current intercessory ministry of Jesus. But there he was, preaching what he knew. And he's radically on fire but this is his knowledge is somewhat limited i ask you are you the second case study are you a person maybe you know some of the bible maybe you are very zealous for what you believe but you lack a full knowledge of the new covenant you lack knowledge of the gospel of grace and maybe you need a little bit more precision in your life so he began to speak out 26 boldly in the synagogue But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, and I think they had to be pleasantly surprised, they took him aside. They didn't rebuke him publicly because he wasn't really, uh, he just lacked full knowledge. And they explained to him, maybe invited him to lunch, the way of God more accurately. The NIV says more adequately. The word here speaks of precision, exactness, carefulness. He just needed to know a little bit more. And he would be even more effective. Is that you? You have a certain base of knowledge right now, but you could be learning more. And you've come into a church like this, and praise God, I pray you're being challenged. I pray you're being challenged to go deeper, to know the Bible better. I remember when I was a young Christian, the pastor would say, turn to Zephaniah, and I would go, what? And then there would be that person next to me had those cheater tabs. Have you seen those cheater tabs? All the books are there. And some people are going, I don't want her to see that. Right? There's 66 books. I know. It's not easy to memorize where they all are. And sometimes when I say to turn to Zephaniah, I had to check and see where Zephaniah was before I preached it to you. So don't, don't feel bad. But the only way you can learn the Bible is to be in the Bible. And sometimes when a pastor says, turn to numbers, and you're going, can you give me the number of the page? What do you mean? That's how you learn. You grow. And as I was sitting in church, coming up as a young Christian, that's how I grew. I would try to cheat on, where's that book again? Or I'd try to act like I knew where it was. Anybody do this? I know where that book is. I've just taken my time to get there. That's all that's going on here. I think that's why some people actually stay away from some smaller Bible studies. They're a little bit embarrassed. I just don't know enough. If I go there, I know they're going to call upon me. and They're going to ask me some deep... Look, we only do that the first time you come. After that, 
We ask you to shave your head and that. No, I'm just kidding. So here he is, right? This wonderful couple takes Apollos, very learned, very on fire, but lacking a little in precision, and they cheer him on. Are you a husband and wife couple that maybe you've noticed a person around you that you could give a little bit more precision about the gospel? They seem to be on fire. They even have a good working knowledge, but they're, they're falling short somewhere. You could, mean, you could be an encourager to that kind of person. So when he wanted to go across to Achaia, Corinth was the capital of Achaia, and that's where Paul had been for a while, the brethren, that is the Christians in Ephesus 27, encouraged him. So he had this heart to go to Corinth, newfound knowledge of the gospel, and he wrote to the disciples, they, they wrote to the disciples, the church did, to welcome him. So they made the way for him. And when he arrived, notice, with this newfound knowledge, he helped greatly those who had believed. How? What's your Bible say? Through grace. How are we saved? Through grace. That's how the Corinthians were saved. Because if you saw the Corinthian church in the first century, you'd probably look at most of the people in that church and say, they're not saved. All kinds of problems in Corinth. And Apollos goes there and he helped them greatly. When you get knowledge, it is not just to store more knowledge in your life. You get knowledge to give it away. Amen? Going and listening to a sermon is wonderful. Growing in your own faith is great. But it is intended for you to do something with it to help others. Maybe a coworker, Maybe a neighbor. Maybe a family member that's being attacked by a cultic group right now. And they're saying to you, they're throwing up their hands. I don't know what to tell these people. They seem to be, and you're like, I don't know either. I never, right? Sometimes when we're dealing with situations like that, it forces us back to our Bible. Not only was he encouraging others, 28, he powerfully refuted the Jews in public this idea of refuted means he smashed his opponents, demonstrating how? By the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. I think the church in Corinth was probably under some doctrinal attacks, maybe even by the Judaizing heresy that you have to be circumcised and keep the food laws to be saved. And, and Apollo showed up there and said, wait a minute, uh-uh, no you don't. And he protected the little new church with his own knowledge of the scriptures. We need that, folks. There's a battle going on. And we need men and women mighty in the scriptures who can come along and say, you know what? No, Jesus is the Messiah. Let me show you why from the Bible. That's what Apollos was able to do. But the Corinthians were so immature and young about their faith that Paul said, I can't treat you as spiritual, but as babies in Christ. For one of you says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos. Are you, are you not mere men? Paul says, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7, What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God brought the increase. See, Apollos picked up the baton. Paul wasn't in Corinth, so Apollos went in there and he began to teach the people. And the people began to say, you know what, I, I think I like Apollos better. He wears nicer ties, and he's, he's very eloquent. And I just, I just like the way he preaches. And other people say, no, I like Paul. 
I, I like Paul better. Down, right down to it. And uh, some of us, I like Cephas. I like Peter better. When's Peter coming back into town? Maybe I'll go back to church when Peter comes. And then they began to form little units of people who t- were talking about, well, who do you like the best? I don't know. Let's call so-and-so and we'll, we'll pray about it. We'll pray about it. We'll f- and like, wait a minute. Paul says, did I die for you? Implication, did Apollos die for you? After that, Paul says, I'm glad I didn't even baptize a whole lot of you. I don't want you putting your trust in Paul. Don't put your trust in the pastor. Pastors plant, others water, but who brings the increase? God does. Corinthians got a little confused because obviously Apollos was an impressive individual. So he's the second case. Maybe you need a little bit more precision to add to that fire. Third case, we'll move through it quickly. Some disciples in Ephesus. Look at Acts 19, verse 1. It came about that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper country, he's now coming from the north, off the trade route, came to Ephesus. So he said he'd come back if God allowed him to, and here he is back. And he found some disciples. The word in Greek, methetes, can speak of disciples of the Pharisees, disciples of John the Baptist, and it can speak of disciples of Jesus as well, but it's a general term. He found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Verse 2, and they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if Paul noticed something about this group, but he came upon them. They were a group of Uh, that were committed disciples. They had believed a certain component of the gospel, but they weren't quite there yet. And Paul said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. And when they heard this, that is the teaching of Jesus, They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Paul comes across this group and he says, well, did you receive the Spirit? What did you get baptized in? You know what? We have a lot of people in America right now that categorize themselves as Christians, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard this one before? Uh, Maybe a medical form, maybe, you know, something else. They mark the Christian box, but then you ask them, are you a Christian I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born-again Christians. Because born-again Christians wear that multicolored wig at football games and hold up that John 3.16 sign. I'm not that kind of Christian. I'm just a normal Christian. You see, the term born-again, the phrase born-again, got a little bit skewed in the 70s and so forth. But actually... There is no other kind of Christian. John 3, 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. So we moved into our house in 1995. We moved in in November. There was a little notch in the grass from the real estate sign, so that got pulled out. So me and uh, a young man that I was mentoring at the time, we put together a cross. I think my boy may have helped us at that time. And we decided we're going to plant this 10-foot cross in the notch of the real estate sign. We're planting our flag, baby. So the cross went in. It was almost Christmas time. Had a little old man living a couple doors uh, up from me. He came walking by with his cane. He went, welcome to the neighborhood. And he looked up at this cross and he said, you're not one of those. 
born again Christians, are you? And I said, sir, is there any other kind? Have you read John chapter 3? He said, I read Greek, young man, young whippersnapper. And all of a sudden, for 45 minutes, spit began to fly as I debated the old man right at the foot of the cross. My family went inside. Dog went into his doghouse. Here we go again, right? Spits flying. He said, I read the original Greek. I said, well, then you should have known John 3. Back and forth, up and down we went. We started wrestling in the grass. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just not one of those. I keep the golden rule. I said, look, nobody keeps the law perfectly. That's why we need Christ. That's why this cross is here trying to convince people that it's not just about morality. You must be born again. And I think these particular individuals, yes, had been baptized, and yes, into a baptism of preparation. That's what John's baptism was. It was preparatory to look for the coming Messiah. It was a way for people to say, I'm getting ready. Jesus is coming, his first coming. I'm ready. I'm ready for Messiah to come in. And isn't it a cool thought that here were these people in Ephesus who had made themselves ready and God got a missionary to them. Sometimes we have these questions. You know, if somebody's sincerely seeking God somewhere out in the bush, how do they get saved? Look, if you're sincerely seeking God, God will get the message to you. He will in no wise cast out those who are trying to come to him. He'll find you. He'll give you a dream. He'll get the message. And, and in this case, he sent Paul. Pretty cool. And Paul asked them the you know, the most important question, do, do, you, do you have the Spirit? If you don't, you're not a Christian. Uh, that's Romans 8, 9, Ephesians 1, 13, and 14. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee. The modern word in Greek is arabon. It means an engagement ring. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we not only belong to God, but that God will keep His promise and take us to heaven and resurrect us. If you don't have the Spirit... Romans 8, 9, you don't belong to Christ. You don't. And so there are a lot of people identifying themselves as Christians, and then you talk to them, and they, they will appeal to a baptism. But I was baptized back, back here. Okay, but do you know Christ? You could be dunked in water a thousand times, but if your heart is not changed, you're not a Christian. And if the Spirit of the living God lives in you, I would think, see if you agree, you'd know it. Amen? So I think there's some people, and in this case, we have to see these people as sincere. They want to know God. Uh, I think their hearts are right, but they just haven't gotten all the information. You say, it sounds strange. Listen to this. During the later part of the 18th century, many colonists left Virginia and started through the mountains to settle the valleys that lay far to the west. Fear of Indians, the death of a horse, the breaking down of a wagon forced many to stay in the mountains. For over 20 years, these settlers saw no white men at all until a group of travelers uh, straggled into the neighborhood. Naturally, there was much conversation about the outside world. The travelers asked the mountaineers what they thought of the new republic and the policies of the Continental Congress. The others answered, we have not so much as heard as that there was a Continental Congress. They thought of themselves as loyal subjects to the British king and not even heard of George Washington or the Revolutionary War, close quote. 
They were just isolated. You couldn't pick up the cell phone at this time and say, hey, did you hear about Pentecost? You couldn't send an email or a fax or a text. Did you hear? They were isolated, but God got the message to them, and they were open, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, identifying with him. I'm sure Paul preached the gospel in its fullness, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, I don't think that this is the norm, but I think that this is kind of a mini Pentecost where God did something special. Paul laid his hands upon them in an act, I think, of fellowship and identification. And the Holy Spirit came on them, verse 6, and they began speaking with tongues, which can be a evidence of the uh, Holy Spirit in your life. And they were prophesying, and there were in all about how many? Twelve men. Hmm. The number 12 reminds us of the 12 tribes, the 12 apostles. Start looking at the Bible and you can see 12,000 from each of the tribes in Revelation, 12 gates, etc., etc. What's the meaning of the 12? Well, the 12th letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Lamed, and it's a letter shaped like the staff of a shepherd. And I think that number 12 is significant. I think these men were non-Christians who have now been born again. And they are now ruled by the shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen? Which category are you in? Are you like Paul? Are you like Apollos? Maybe you're like Priscilla and Aquila. Or maybe you've been in the church for a while, but you're not sure that you're born again. The Bible says we don't even know what a day is going to bring, so I don't know why anybody would put it off. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, take the next step. Be born again of the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, how do you do that, Pastor Michael? How are you born again? Simply, you ask him for it. You turn away from your sin and you trust in Christ. Bow your head with me. Father, thank you so much for... The precious people that are here, I know a lot of committed Christians in this room, a lot of folks who want to go deeper, and I pray that you would direct them, not uh, necessarily by anything that's from Michael, but all that's from your spirit. Let Let that percolate in their souls and let them act upon that. Some like Apollos in here, Lord, maybe need a little bit more precision, but are on fire and zealous. May you bless them with more knowledge the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, may they grow in that. Father, I pray for those who may be a couple looking to do more ministry, looking to give more precision to younger believers. May you bless that couple who is open to that and and saying, here we are, Lord, send us. And then, Father, I want to pray for people maybe like these disciples. They've taken some steps, but they are not in your kingdom yet. They don't have a new covenant relationship, but they want it. That's why they're here. That's why they're listening. If it's you and you have not met Christ, you don't know for sure that you're born again of the Holy Spirit, I want to give you a prayer to pray. But first I want to ask you, everybody's heart and head bowed, if it's you and you would like to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, just lift up your hand right now and let me pray for you. Just raise up your hand. No uh, hesitation. Nobody's looking at you funny. You want to be born again? State it now. Lift up your hand and ask for a prayer. God bless you if you have. If you couldn't get your hand up, that's okay. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for those who are opening their hearts.
Here's the prayer. If it's you, pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Cause me to be born again of your Holy Spirit, to be born from above. Thank you that I'm your child. And thank you that I'm in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your promise that if someone confesses and turns to you, that you will save them. And so we just ask your blessing upon all the different categories here this morning. May your Holy Spirit wash over, refresh, and bless. May you let your face shine on this precious group of people. May you give them shalom. May your countenance encourage them this coming week. And may they go deeper and take the next step with you. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you so much again for listening to Living Truth Radio. We're blessed to have a wonderful listening audience, and we appreciate you partnering with us in prayer and in giving if you can. But we just want to say thank you for listening, tuning in. Tell a friend about Living Truth Radio, and keep us in prayer. We want to just get the Word of God out to as many people as possible. Hey, I wanted to take a moment to invite you to our website. It's livingtruthcorona.org. Last time we were together, I told you a little bit about articles that are on that website, and I think they'll be very helpful for you. I want to tell you about something else on the website, and it is sermons. We have church sermons, we have radio sermons, and we have a huge archive section at livingtruthcorona.org. And in that archive section, we have complete book teachings, both Old and New Testament, in their entirety, verse by verse, Those sermons are all up there. They're all free. We give the Word of God out for free. If you want to order a CD from our ministry, contact us through the website. Let us know how we can get that into your hands. We believe in getting the Word of God out to as many people as possible and making it accessible. At livingtruthcorona.org, under sermons, you can find church, radio, and archived sermons. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio, for praying for us. May God richly bless you and your family. Hi, this is Pastor Michael, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening. And we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we, we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org.
org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family. 